What's up everybody? It's Dan from Binder Boneyard coming at you from the office. We are back. I am back. It's been uh, quite the quite the last few weeks with the um, getting ready for Harvester Homecoming and then going to Homecoming and all of that. So today's episode uh, it might be a long one. I don't know. We might break it up into two. We'll see. Is we're going to go over show prep and then show itself and all that. So it could be a fun adventure. So uh, black truck. Been working on that for a while. You know, blew the Cummins up last year going to nationals. So about this time last year. It sat over the winter. I picked up a 92 Dodge uh, for a donor truck so we could swap the Cummins. Uh, I was excited because that was an intercooled truck. The uh, motor I had before was non-intercooled. Um, so it didn't make quite as much power and, and whatnot. So I was excited to have an intercooled truck. Um, a little bit more pep. So um, Steve and I put in a lot of time uh, getting that motor in. Uh, I put a um, performance injection pump on it. Went through a bunch of stuff and uh, we went to King of the Hammers. Uh, that was in February. So going down there, I probably talked about this in other podcasts. Going down, we uh, the injection pump failed. It only had like 800 miles on it. Something internally failed. Um, that was a big rigmarole. And anyways, got that fixed, got home. The truck had been running decent. Um, but, you know, I was just towing average loads with it. The weather was all right. Um, it'd get warm occasionally. I just had a single 14-inch electric fan um that i had just wired to run pretty much all the time and it was okay um so we decided because we're taking it to um the homecoming show this year that we would do some more stuff so i went through new front hubs like wheel hubs not locking hubs new wheel hubs new bearings new seals um, rear end got all new bearings, new seals, new brakes, uh, put new transmission coolers in that, uh, really worked well. Um, new aluminum radiator. So when the, this motor went in, in February, um, I redid the whole front of the truck to accept all Dodge parts. So it has first gen Dodge radiator, first gen Dodge intercooler, all that stuff up there. So it uses Dodge hoses and all that. So we went through, uh, originally I just had the, uh, the, you know, brass radiator that came out of the 92 Dodge donor truck, but I decided because of this, uh, everything going on, I should probably put a nice aluminum one in. So 
Um, and I also wanted to do that because the truck would get warm on tow on hauls in in warmer weather the truck would start to over not overheat but just run high on the scale high on the gauge and uh you know i just had that one electric fan and so i had rigged up a mechanical um mechanical fan mount uh for that setup to try and help get rid of the electric because i know electrics aren't as reliable but I was having clearance issues. The motor was just too close to the uh, radiator and it just wasn't working. So for this trip to homecoming, uh, we made a shroud that held two electric fans. So I thought, you know, that was gonna help, help with everything. And I hardwired them right to a toggle switch. So there was no thermal couple, no, no temperature switch that was gonna fail or strand us. Cause that's part of what happened last year was the electric fan was wired to a temperature switch and that temperature switch failed and so the fan never came on and i didn't notice it uh, realize it until it was too late um and that was a whole other thing so we wired the electric fans right to a toggle so that i had control over all that um so we just put a ton of effort. I mean, Josie reupholstered the seats, went through the interior, more sound deadening, uh, new exhaust. I got legitimate four inch exhaust that went all the way out the back of the truck um, to help with sound because it's so loud in that truck. You know, you just keep chipping away at, at um, sound deadening and it gets a little better and a little better, um, but it's still, you know, it's still a, 1971 travel at so getting the sound handled was was becoming more and more of a priority it was long drives and just drones and you know you're, you get out of the truck after 14 hours and you're just deaf uh, so so we um, did all that work we, we really put a ton of time into it I had Matt make us a you know a 27 gallon fuel tank that goes under the floor kind of in the factory location on the driver's side. Uh, you know, just just one thing after another, just to make this truck as bomb-proof and reliable and, and easy operating as possible. Well, we loaded up and started heading out for the show, and the truck was already running hot. It was 90, 90 degrees plus outside, and we were doing, you know, 65 on the highway fans on all the fans trans fans motor fans everything on and it would just start creeping up temperature would come up you know it would it would hold at 180 for a while and then you know 185 190 195 it just crawl up no matter what i pull over and let it idle for five ten minutes maybe come right back down and then you get going again and you could drive for an hour or so before it was up to 215 you know and then one of the times uh it boiled over before i could get pulled over and i noticed when i opened the hood that it was blowing coolant out around the neck of the radiator the you know where the neck where the cap attaches to where it's mated to the actual radiator body so that joint there 
was not was not sealed right and so the radiator couldn't build the pressure that it needed to build to help maintain temperature you know i didn't have a good option for that so i was just going to keep driving it uh just watching the gauge and taking care of it and then maybe i thought when i got to indiana because we were kind of ahead of schedule so i thought i'd have some time i could put another radiator in it um you know uh, wherever we stop and uh you know being the first gen dodge it's super easy um the the lower part of the radiator just sits in some rubber cups and the top just has some little like clamp sandwich mount things on rubber so like four bolts and the radiator comes out uh you know unhook the hoses of course <clears throat> so that was my plan in my mind was just to try and get another radiator somewhere along the way um well we um had a good first day second day was going all right it was cool you know been cool in the morning so we were making time we were in um right on the utah uh, wyoming border on one of the long grades and it just started getting warm watch the gauge come up and we were about half a mile not even that quarter mile from cresting the the grade and we could start the downhill down into evanston wyoming and the cap blew off of the overflow bottle uh, which steve and i had installed a larger overflow bottle uh, because it was, had been a problem on our King of the Hammers trip. The overflow bottle was too small and it would fill it up fast uh, just from, you know, expansion and stuff. So the, that radiator was expanding so much that it would fill the overfill the overflow bottle. So, um, which was just like a Napa aftermarket, whatever. So when we went to King of the Hammers, I installed a larger one, um, again, it was a universal one, but it was like twice as big as the Napa one. And so what happened for whatever reason is that we filled that bottle up again, the radiator just pushed all that fluid out into the overflow bottle and, uh, blew the cap off and it just, the air filter just got dusted with some steam. like. Last year when the heater hose failed and, and killed the motor, it was like fire hosed down the air filter. So I totally understand how that, you know, how that happened. This year when the cap blew off, um, it hardly got the air filter at all from what we could tell, but it got it enough that it hurt the turbo. Turbo sounds like it's got a, you know, something jammed in it now it's got a clicky clicky wine and it, it only makes about five pounds of boost uh at the, the that's as much as it'll do and the truck just smokes like hell um and then it did something to one of the pistons or some uh, piston rings because it's got just incredible blow by now i mean it's puffs like a locomotive out of the dipstick the road tube you take the oil filler cap off it just all puffs away so so yeah so a little bit of steam or you know mist from that coolant bottle it, it 
it, it was too much for the motor. So, um, you know, which I, I never would have imagined that that bottle would have blew the lid off, especially since there is a, a port on it with a hose that goes down to, you know, the ground or out of the way. I figured if it, if the bottle got that much in it, it would just bypass out that hose out the hole and the cap would stay on and everything would be fine. But I, whatever reason, cap came off and, uh, and that was it. So yeah, I should have learned my lesson the first time with the exposed air filter, but I guess I thought, you know, what are the chances of it happening twice? Um, and now I know, <laughs> so no more exposed air filter. Um, that just, yeah, I should have learned the first time that I, and I own that. I own that mistake. Uh, I admit, you know, that was definitely my fault and, uh, that won't happen again. So anyway, we, uh, ended up, so we were able to limp it to Evanston and put the truck in a storage lot. I tried to rent a truck like we did for King of the Hammers. No truck rentals anywhere. None in Utah. Any place that would rent three quarter ton or bigger pickup was sold out. And we called all over the place. So we decided plan B was going to be buying a truck in Evanston that could finish the trip and then and then sell it when we got home. So there was this little car lot that had a, a 04 Super Duty a V10 gas automatic, had a service bed. It was beat up. It was, you know, it only had 120,000 miles because it had a snowplow attachment on it. And so I'm guessing it just got used as a, as a plow truck, yard truck, whatever. But um, it ran good, it drove good, had decent tires, but the fucking car lot, I, apparently they're just not in a hurry to do anything there. Because I said, you know, I told the sales guy, yes, I'd like to buy this truck. What's, what are you asking? And he was like, well, that belongs to the lot owner. And he just asked us to put it out there. You know, so we don't know what what he's asking. We don't know anything about it. And I'm like, can you call him? Can you find out for me? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get a hold of him in the next couple of days and let you know. And I'm like, uh, I'm kind of in a hurry. Is there any way you could call him now? Well, he might be at his cabin. I don't know. I mean, I can try and text him and hope he gets back. And I'm like, okay, can we just text him and hope he gets back? That said, I'm going to be in the hotel. If we don't figure something out by noon, then I have to move on to plan, plan F. And so <laughs> we're in the hotel. We're waiting. And I call him at noon. And he's like, no, I haven't heard. And I was like, man, that sucks because I was really, you know, I was ready to buy this thing. I had cash. I had, you know, I could have bought it. And he's like, well, you know, let me call his wife 
and maybe she knows where he is. And I was like, you, I waited four hours and you had the option to call someone else that might know where he is or get a hold of him. And he's like, well, you know, I just didn't want to bug him. And I, and I was like, the guy, you guys have the opportunity to make several thousand dollars and you just don't care. So I said, I'm sorry, I got to move on to the next plan. So, you know, good luck, but I'm out. So <laughs> we could not find a car to rent. Apparently Evanston does not have car rentals. And if they did, they didn't anymore or were sold out or whatever. We, Josie and I called everywhere trying to find a car rental because I bought plane ticket from Salt Lake City back to Redmond. But we had to get from Evanston to Salt Lake City. So what ended up happening was we had to get a U-Haul. And I don't mean like a U-Haul van. I mean an actual 20-foot U-Haul box truck. That was the only mode of transportation out of Evanston, Wyoming. Uh, that didn't involve hitchhiking. So, rented this goddamn U-Haul, hauled ass to Salt Lake City, I got on a plane, flew home, my folks met me at the airport, and they have a 2002 F-550 that belonged to my grandpa. And when he passed away, a while back my mom ended up with it and they used it to haul their camper around for a while and it was semi-reliable had some you know electronics issues and we ended up having the transmission rebuilt because it's a six speed and it got it got used pretty hard and so things like that so anyway so mom meets, meets me at the airport with the 550 we call it big red because it's a giant red truck and I jumped in and hauled ass back to Wyoming I just stopped part way and take a nap because I'd been awake for 25 hours or something so um, finally get to Wyoming hook up the red truck to the trailer put the black truck in the storage yard transferred all the parts we were selling out of the black truck into red and continued, continued, uh, east. And we had to stop at anything scout because they had purchased a scout and a tub from me. Uh, and so that was along the way. So we stopped and dropped that off and then made it to Indiana on Friday afternoon, which we were about, eight hours behind schedule now so we'd left a day early and ended up being eight hours late with all that ordeal so yeah we um you know the show was good met a lot of people uh the show could have been way better the rain it rained all day saturday just and there were times where it was pouring so we had got, had to go to walmart and buy another pop-up canopy, easy up, whatever you call them, 
Uh, I had one, but it was like a 10 by 10. And so we bought another one that was a 12 by 12 because we had so much stuff that I didn't want out in the weather. Um, Cause we did, we came loaded for, for some serious sales. I mean, we brought all the t-shirts and all the medicine cabinets and all the stuff. Cause the year before at homecoming, there were 10,000 people. They had 10,000 people come through that show. Over 500 vehicles were registered for that show. So I was expecting, you know, massive amount of sales. So when I got there and it was raining and gross and no one was coming, it was, um, it was disheartening for sure, especially going through all of the drama that we went through to get there. But, you know, I mean, in the end it was, it's still worth it. I mean, we sold a fair amount of stuff saw a lot of the diehard guys that we saw, you know, at nationals and that you talked to on Facebook and, and Instagram and all that. Um, so it was good to put names and faces and, and meet people and, and everything else. So yeah, it was, um, it was a good experience. Um, the red truck, the red truck is, um, I don't know what you say. So it's a 550. It's got a Spicer S110 rear end. Uh, it's got 488 gears. So it, you know the tire's only 33 inches tall. They're 19.5 wheels, but they're low profile. So um, going, you know, 70 is like 2,800 RPM, and I just didn't want to sustain that for long periods especially towing so we were limited to about 65 um for much of the trip which is torture because the freeway speeds in the midwest are 80 75 and 80 all the way uh so having to do 65 was just it was tough luckily the, the red truck is fairly comfortable pretty modern you know so it was better than last year with the cowboy truck because that's the uh 92 dodge dually one ton with the doors falling off of it and everything else so yeah it's um yeah pardon the noise out there there's a truck moving around or something but anyway um uh, it was it was good you know we learned a lot did a lot while I was back there, I purchased a bunch of parts to rebuild the black truck because initially I was going to um, just sell it as is because I was over it. Um, but I, you know, calmed down and decided that I wanted to um, put in an international engine. So it's going to get a DT360 um, that I have here on the ground. Uh, I picked up an Allison 1000. Uh, from a 04 Duramax, so it's a five-speed automatic, um, and I just need to change the bell house, and then you can bolt that Allison right to the DT, um, and then it came with the transfer case also, so um, I picked up a set of Super Duty axles so that I can have the correct side um, pinion, I can have the um, four-wheel disc brakes, 
the heavier GVW because the Sterling um, is just over. So the 14 bolt, which I have in there now, has GVW of like 8,600 and the Sterling um, has a GVW of, of 9,600, I believe. So uh, just a little bit more capacity, but it's got the disc brakes, um, you know, just modern, more modern axles. I mean, yeah, it's a Super Duty, so it's got unit bearings, which um, most people are like, oh God, unit bearings. Um, you can change bearings on those things, change the whole hub in, you know, half hour per side. And they're already set up perfect. You can buy them for about 60 bucks, 60 to $80 a piece. Um, which is about what good tapered roller bearings cost um, for a Dana a traditional Dana 60. So to save time to be readily available because taper bearings are getting hard to find um, for some of this stuff too. I rebuilt that 14 bolt in the black truck, like I said earlier, and uh, two of the bearings were you know not in stock in a lot of a lot of places they had to come from another warehouse and um you know so this you got to remember that even common stuff you know 14 bolt came in every goddamn chevy from 1973 to you know 2002 or whatever that's still old you know 2002 is damn near 20 years ago and so the parts houses aren't carrying that old stuff. You know, we use these Chevy front ends on a lot of builds and, you know, wheel seals. I had to wait two days for wheel seals for the Chevy front end. You know, that just, that stuff's old. It's 40, 50 years old. And, um, and it's, it's starting to show. So, so updating to 04 axles, um, yeah, those are 16 years old, but it's still a little bit more common than than the stuff, the obsolete stuff. Um, so anyways, Super Duty axles, Allison, got the NP transfer case, gonna have that DT360, so um, probably start that conversion. I'm gonna get the axles prepped and ready to go first and then get them in and then while i'm doing that i get the transmission hooked to the motor figure that all out and then swing the whole menagerie in there um and then once i figure out where that's going then i'm going to take the whole entire core support front end and just pretty much cut it out and then find some uh off the shelf radiator an intercooler that can go up there then i'll make sure that i have room to run the mechanical fan and, and a shroud and have lots of radiator because um, i don't want to ever have to deal with this kind of problem again i want to build this truck so that it holds up to you know all the shit and is capable and and has some longevity you know i don't want 500 horsepower uh, I'm not going to build this motor 
you know, I'll probably do what John did with his and, you know, turn fiddle with the pump a little bit and add a different turbo. Uh, you know, if I could get 240, 250 horse out of it, I would be more than satisfied with that. Um, cause it's going to make, you know, 600 foot pounds of torque. Uh, so, and then the Allison should be able to handle the, the power and everything. Uh, I mean, that Duramax made 300 horsepower in 04, I believe. So, you know, a 250 horse motor, um, it should still be well within its, its, uh, capabilities. So I got to get a standalone controller for it, which won't be cheap. Uh, that's probably what's going to hold the build up in the long run is going to be that controller because it's, it's hard to just throw, you know, two grand at stuff like that willy nilly. Um, I was able to buy all these parts in the Midwest for dirt cheap out of rusted out trucks. Um, so that's the only reason I made, was able to make that happen too. So anyway, that's the plan. That's what happened. Um, so met a lot of people, like I said, um, and it was a good time. So, so you'll be seeing the black trick build over the course of the next couple of months, hopefully. So I will be talking about that in future podcasts, I'm sure. Anyway, hopefully you understood that and enjoyed that and it made sense. So thank you again, everyone. And until uh, next time, Dan from Binder Boneyard. Yeah.